I, I love that because all of a sudden when we are reading through, let's say, Deuteronomy or Leviticus, and you're like, how am I going to get through this? I, I just can't. I have no idea what's going on. But when you go in with the framework already as a presupposition and you say, yes, I'm going to learn how God was was ordaining the Israelites to be set apart. Yep. Not, not because these are just trivial laws and he was just adding trivial things for them to do, but because he was making them look different from the rest of the culture. And if you look at the whole purpose of what God does with his people, it's to glorify himself. And so he, he wanted the Israelites to come in, look different. And in the midst of them looking different, what people were going to see was they were going to see a God who was sovereign and who provided over his people in the midst of being different. All right, you're listening to Charitable Discourse. We are live. We are without our fearless leader, Ben, this morning. He is in the midst of sabbatical. So he's left the the two of us, Chip and Justin, to try to figure this thing out for ourselves, and we're just running with it at this point. In time. Well, you know, we haven't named our studio. We you haven't. know how everybody brands the studio and they get a sponsor to come in. And, you got a good name for it. And uh, we, well, we need to give somebody to give us some money so we can um, t- <laughs> name just it after name them. their studio this, and they get a little PR, and we get. We get some cash. I don't know. I think we, based off your sermon this past week, we should start using hip language like sus, the sus room, or no cap. We can do no cap. (laughs) And you got nervous up there on on stage this past Sunday. You thought you were cussing at one point. Well, the way somebody looked at me in the audience, (laughs) I was like, oh no, like I didn't, I hope this is not like vulgar or really bad. For all you know, you're repeating your own kid's language and (laughs) you thought they were I've been letting them say things (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, yeah. Hey, summer's here. Summer is here. Guess what's Finally. next week, Justin? Next week, first softball game. Yeah, for those of you that listen, um, our church plays in the city softball league here oh, in Napoleon. Yeah. It and, is. Um, it's a blast. It's a right of a time. That's, that's always, for sure. It's always fun the first couple of weeks for all of us 30 and 40-year-olds who <laughs> still think we're 20. Yeah, and our bodies aren't used oh, to moving man. those muscles. I tell you what, I, I, I played tennis for the first time. Um, just two weeks ago, and my body hurt for a week. I just could not get back to get like I, my body's never been sore for that long after an event. Really? Yeah. It's not like playing tennis, right? Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> it's more than softball. I can tell you that much right oh, now. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Tennis guys always got to get in the little jab <laughs> about why tennis is superior to softball. The, yes, uh, absolutely. The uh, most loved sports in America. <laughs> Yeah, and this is when we start calling you antiquated. Um, you're lost in the past, my friend. Time to catch up with the times. Oh, yeah, I think we can do a poll with our listeners. <laughs> how they rate tennis on the list of sports they oh, enjoy to watch. Oh, man. But, hey, true fact, I do enjoy tennis. You I do, watch yes. tennis. Yes. I don't watch, like, weekly. You know, I right, don't pay right. attention to You're not watching the, the French tours, Open right now? But I do pay attention to the majors majors played it a little bit yeah. uh, of course justin justin has a a twin brother identical twin brother identical, jordan yeah. who uh they were good uh, tennis players through high school yeah so they're big tennis guys and um yeah it's i'll tell you what it's i enjoy watching it uh you know um in the majors is the french open starting it is yeah it's going on right now actually See, i don't like the french open yeah i know you don't the clay i, I just don't think yeah, anything like whatever. that should be played on dirt whatever you can g- you softball is played on dirt. 
Yeah, but it should be. But like <laughs> you're hitting a ball back and forth on dirt. It just seems weird, does it not? No, it just it seems beautiful and wonderful, and I can't wait to have my own experience playing tennis on on clay. Do you have a trip planned to France now? Eventually, it it'll happen. <laughs> I'm telling you right right now. He's blown up his Australia trip. One day, one day when I take my own sabbatical, it'll happen in Paris uh, to watch the French oh Open. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> my pastor's retreat is happening <laughs> courtside, <laughs> not in Colorado. You're gonna like. Try to expense all that. <laughs> Denied. Four hundred dollar tickets to the French Open. I like it. All right, so today we are jumping in. Um, we wanted to discuss the importance of what it is to read the Old Testament, and I know Chip, this is this is particularly exciting for you because we as a church or you are, are beginning to launch a class, and you've just gotten through um, a pre-class. Mm-hmm. session if you will the last several weeks going through notes and and figuring out what's good what's not good and and so we wanted to jump in and talk about why should we as Christians uh why should we be reading the old testament how should we read the old testament i mean a lot of that stuff if you will is is written in completely different contexts than what we here in the western united states are familiar with so how in the world is it applicable to us so we wanted to jump in talk about the old testament why is it important and what what can we gain from it, um, and how does it help point us to Christ? Yeah, I've been thinking the uh, last four or five months, you know, it's kind of our job as pastors to mm-hmm. say often, hey, you need to be in the Word. You need to read the Word, right? We're always trying to push people toward the Word, and rightly so. We yeah. believe it is the eternal truth of God. Yeah. And um, I've just been thinking, like, the new newer people in our church or new mm-hmm. people that aren't familiar with the word or even us that know the word when you pick up that book oh yeah three-fourths of that book are the section called the old testament right right and that's a hard break-in yeah like different culture all sorts of uh wild tales yep, yep. um it does not look like the 21st century western culture no. at all no. and i'm afraid that people begin to read it and they get discouraged. Yeah. It's just, it's like reading something from Mars almost. Yeah. It really is. And <clears throat> it can be easy to quit Yeah, or to, to be discouraged with, make God like someone I don't understand mm-hmm. or I don't relate to. And so I thought it'd be good for the church to put on its <clears throat> rotation of teaching yeah. a class on how to frame the Old Testament. Not frame, that sounds like a, crime word <laughs> how to have a framework yeah for understanding the old testament because like we were talking pre-session here jesus quoted the old testament constantly absolutely i mean believed in it affirmed yep. it yep um obviously he's the he is the whole design he mm-hmm. is the fulfillment of the whole design of the old testament absolutely one of the sessions we have in this class is it all points to him he's the end game yes so if he's the end game for it all uh, it, it matters. He believed in it. Yeah, it is the word of God. It is truth. It is telling us something about God. Uh, lots of things about God. Right. Honestly, very foundational. Without the Old Testament, the New Testament makes zero sense. And I think um, part of the discussion we even had again pre-session was this idea that the Old Testament, as as confusing as it may be, 
there is always going to be a part to where we are discovering God's heart. Yes, the con- the specific context may not be the context in which we are living right now, but in every part of Scripture, we are going to find God's heart, and from that, then we can d- derive specific application for ourselves today. And you had a you had a particular phrase you were talking about. Yeah, I grew in in uh, seminary. I had a, a a phrase I was taught that stuck with me, and for me, it's helpful. Uh, for the class that I had, it was helpful. Uh, it's kind of this acronym OOPSA, OOPSA, U-P backslash S-A. Okay. Universal principle with specific applications. Yeah. Then when I'm reading through the ceremonial laws yep. and the um, sacrificial laws and, you know, the systems that the feasts and mm-hmm. the tabernacle, all this stuff that the prophets. We, we're not we're not practicing that. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not missing it. We've moved on. And you're like, well. I'm just going to skip this section. Right, right. Why is it in there? Yeah. Why does God want us? I, I think it's Romans that says that everything was written in Scripture for yep. our benefit, yep. right? Yep. And um, what is this going to benefit you? Yeah. And I think the lens of, okay, so the specific application about this section is maybe not relevant for me, but there's a universal principle behind right. it. right. That God, who's unchanging, right? We say Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yep. yep. Um, he is trying to show us something about himself. Yeah. Even when the applications are different. Yeah. And, um, you know, like we talk about the fact that the Jewish people were called to do a lot of unique things. Mm-hmm. And God did that on purpose. Not because they were lasting things. Like we in class, I talked about the fact that one of the commands in Scripture for the Jewish people was not to to wear mixed clothing. Like the shirt I'm wearing right now is a blend, right? Yeah, right. Polyester and, and whatever cotton or, and um, uh, actually mine's suede today. Mm-hmm. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Justin can't stop staring at my shirt because I'm wearing a velvet shirt. No. no, but you know, like mixed, like we don't do that today. No one even thinks that's a sin. Yeah. But God was trying to call them to do things. To make them very different. And that's what it is. Unique yes. or holy. Yes. Which is set apart. Yep. So that the world would notice what is it about these people. Yep. yep. So for us today, the uniqueness, the holy people that we are. Yeah. Is it, it's not in what we wear or how we act or what we sacrifice. But it is in living out the life of Jesus. And that's exactly right. The fruits of the Spirit. I I love that because all of a sudden when we are reading through, let's say, Deuteronomy or Mm -hmm. Leviticus, and you're like, how am I going to get through this? I I just can't. I have no idea what's going on. But when you go in with the framework already as a presupposition and you say, yes, I'm going to learn how God was was ordaining the Israelites to be set apart. Yep. Not not because these are just trivial laws and he was just adding trivial things for them to do, but because he was making them look different from the rest of the culture. And if you look at the whole purpose of what God does with his people, it's to glorify himself. And so he, the, he wanted the Israelites to come in, look different. And in the midst of them looking different, what people were going to see was they were going to see a God who was sovereign and who provided over his people in the midst of being different. Yeah. And all of a sudden, God is glorified. It wasn't to focus on the Israelites. It wasn't to focus on how weird and strange they are. And so today then, as people look at the Christian church, the 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 whole thing that should be taken away is that here is a God who is providing and who is sovereign and who is giving to a people that look different from the rest of the world. 
and to draw and attract those people to exactly. trust then in who this God is and what he's done in the person of Jesus Christ. That's exactly, that's exactly right. right. And I, I think um, if we, and it starts with the Old Testament. And when I go through my next steps, Sunday school class, I love this. I love this storyline. This is something I learned in seminary. But from day one, God's two big desires is to dwell with his creation and to be worshiped by his creation. And since Adam and Eve, we see Adam and Eve in the garden. And God was walking in the garden with them. He was with them. Yeah. And then, but his whole premise was like, you need to worship me. You need to follow me. You need to obey me. But then the minute they sinned, okay, that was broken. So God then creates a way with the Israelites. He's going to dwell with them, to be worshipped by them, and so that the rest of the world then would also worship him. What's the phrase in the Old Testament? I am making you a light to the Gentiles. Exactly. Right? That's exactly it yeah. right there. Well, then we know that the Israelites failed at doing it. So God's like, fine. The whole world through Adam and Eve couldn't do it. Then the specific group couldn't do it through the Israelites. So I'm going to come do it and show you how to do it through Jesus. Jesus does it. And it's through Jesus now that you and I as the church, because he dwells with us, he's with us and he's, we get through his, through his aid, through the Holy Spirit, we then show the rest of the world God. A light to the world. A light to the world. You are the light of the world. Exactly. Like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so I think even like, okay, so I can navigate through the laws, mm -hmm. uh, the the Pentateuch, right? The Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay. So Chip, this is telling me, um, uh, maybe it's not for me, but it's telling me something about God that yeah. he doesn't change. And yeah. so he's going to relate to me in a similar way because his character is constant. Yeah. Right. He's just not asking me not to eat pork anymore. Right. Right. Thank right. the Lord. Yeah. I, I love <laughs> Bacon. Outlaw barbecue and yes. shout out to them locally. Um, <laughs> do I get any? Do we get any? Yeah, I was going to say gift certificates. This for is that? time for advertisement. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll throw this in later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so then there is parts of the Old Testament that are so foundational. Mm -hmm. The stories, the narrative. Oh, man. Of God with his people, how he reacts with. First of all, I see Noah, then mm -hmm. I see Abraham, then I see uh, Joseph, yeah, then Jacob. Yeah, and, yeah. and these are so foundational that without thinking about reading and learning from these things, honestly, the, it, it would be like almost watching the television in black and white mm -hmm. and losing the vivid color and the beauty of God interacting with man. That's exactly And so right. the stories our power we need them yes I, I justin man i'll be honest like and i was fortunate to grow up in a home where i was raised in the church and with the stories was taught from an early age but i have found so much hope and moments when i wanted to quit mm. or be discouraged or uh, doubt and all this by stories and scriptures yeah like moses oh and david men like, men who made huge mistakes yeah in their lives, and yet God redeemed those mistakes. And I thought, well, you know what? Like, this is how God worked mm -hmm. with Moses. Yeah. This is how God worked with David. This is how God acts toward mankind. Yeah. And so the Old Testament's hugely beneficial Absolutely. because of the story, the narrative of God working with his people. Yeah. And I, I just would feel terrible yeah. if the people in our church didn't know the stories of the Old Testament because. You're missing out on a relational God. And that's exactly Huge. it. There's this there's this Hebrew word, which I, I fell in love with in the midst of, as I ended my seminary time, it's chesed. 
it's this it's this word of constant love, constant love yeah. this steadfast love and we we don't you really like, tattooed on your body <laughs> no <laughs> not that particular word <laughs> no but <laughs> oh wow we're oh, take a okay we're moving where on where is this tattoo <laughs> <laughs> but this word kesed it, it is we can't have a full understanding of what this word is. We can say, yes, steadfast love, constant love. And we as Western and United States thinkers will we'll leave it at that. But until we read the stories of the Old Testament, we don't have a full picture as to what this is, as to what God is doing with his steadfast love. Because we talk about Moses and we talk about David, two men who made huge mistakes, but God redeemed them. Let's talk about the guys who seemingly didn't make a mistake and yet, Every turn, something bad happened. Joseph. Joseph is the first man I think about where he lived this life and he wasn't doing anything to to bring upon trouble for himself. And yet at every turn, something terrible happens. I mean, we're talking about calamity. He's sold into slavery. He's accused of lying and sent to prison. And we're not talking, we're not talking high class prison here. We're talking Egyptian prison. Um, torture is going on. And and all of a sudden, we see how God is continuing to be with Joseph in the midst of that. And he uses mm. Joseph's troubles and in, 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 in his pains for something amazingly beautiful to save the Israelite people. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, <clears throat> David, to me, is the guy I, I just mm-hmm. gravitate toward in the Old Testament. David or Moses. Yeah. Uh, again, this is the cool thing about Scripture, too, in the Old Testament narrative. Normally, when you're writing a story about yourself, a biography, mm-hmm. an autobiography, you probably want to put your best foot forward. Right, right. And you want <laughs> right, to... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Scriptures don't do that. They do not. The they hero, do not pull punches. The heroes of the faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Moses, on his resume, uh, I mean, murdered Murder. somebody. Murder, yeah. David was responsible David. for some terrible stuff. Absolutely. Um, but again, how does God relate with us? Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what? I haven't murdered anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could talk about the New Testament framework of hatred with murder. And anger and what yeah. that is, yeah. But through seeing how God forgave, restored yep. David and Moses, I have hope myself. 100%. And so we want to push 100%. people to these stories in the Old Testament um, because it's telling us about God who loves, God Absolutely. who desires to Absolutely. restore, God who's patient and kind. That's why the Psalms, and then you have the whole section oh, of the, the Psalms, the Psalms, right? yeah. Like, that's the songbook, and also, like, okay, how do I deal with everyday life? Yeah. Is it okay to feel sad, to feel mad? Is it okay to doubt God? Right, right. Well, the psalm shows us that David, David models did. this out for us. Yes, and God wasn't like, all right, I'm kicking you to the curb. Yep. He yep. would patiently just say, David. Think about this or yeah. see this yeah. or watch me do this. And I think the Psalms are, are teaching us how to uh, live in relation with God with, you know, through our emotions, through mm-hmm. our ups and downs, through our 100%. questions. Yep. Um, the Proverbs, I mean, uh, that's so important. Ecclesiastes to frame life, yeah. how to live with wisdom, yep. how yep. to avoid making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like if if we had the mindset, well, that's all Old Testament, ignore it. We would we, be missing out oh on the heart goodness. of God. And that's kind of out there today, isn't it? It really that's is. Old, it, I've heard that. Yeah. That's Old Testament. Yeah. Well, I get that. Guess what? The Old Covenant has been blown up in Jesus Christ. He's fulfilled it. Amen. Right? And so, yes, I, I get what they're trying to say, but let's not 
throw shade at the Old Testament. No, no, Let's, because it's still God-inspired. To throw shade at the Old Testament is to throw shade at God, to say, we don't need this anymore. We're just going to pick and choose. And then it becomes relativ- relativistic, is that a word, to where I'm just picking and choosing for myself yeah. on, what, on, on what God is saying. Make no mistake, there are some, there are some difficult things to understand in the Old Testament. 100%. You know, like, uh, I enjoy uh, some apologetic stuff. Mm-hmm. What are questions people are asking? Yeah. What yeah. are they struggling with? Yeah. You know, um, and you hear this sometimes, well, like, isn't God a God of genocide in the Old Testament? What do I do with that? Mm. Um, there's no doubt there are some things that aren't just um, easy to right. to uh, grab a hold of with no. God. No. I think I have learned as a parent mm-hmm. A little bit more of how God relates to mankind. Yeah. Um, I think I've learned this not because I'm, but it just helps me understand. Sometimes, like when He's revealing Himself, it's a continuing revelation that ends in Jesus, right? Yes. And there's things that up front you need to make sure people are very aware of. Mm -hmm. And in parenting, I talked about this Sunday. Yeah. I do believe. That for those first number of years, my kids need to, they, they, they only understand black and white. Yeah, yeah. They don't, their mind's not developed enough. And people were not, they, they were in darkness, right? By the time of Noah, oh, it was yeah. sinful. Like we had turned completely from God. And so God is making statements up front. Listen, I'm holy. I'm other. I'm God and you're not. And this you is what I be. do with evil. And when you disobey me, yeah. There are serious consequences. Yeah. And with my kids, like, absolutely. I I tried to create a framework of black and white. I wanted to teach them, hey, when dad says no, yeah. don't do it. Why was I doing that? Not because I got off on some kind of ego trip. Neither right. does God. Right. Right. You know, it doesn't affect God one way or another if all of his creation reject him or all of them follow him. He's still God. And he's satisfied completely within himself. That's right. He like, doesn't we need can't us. Be, we can't be de- deceived into thinking that God needs our obedience right. or our whatever mm-hmm. to to satisfy him. That's right. a good word. Fulfill right. him. But he delights in when we do because yes. he loves and he is love. And so, but he would tell them because he was trying to teach them that the only thing to do is to trust and believe in my plan. Mm-hmm. With my kids... I early on, I wanted to say, hey, listen to dad's voice when he says no, because that no went from, uh, you know, uh, touching or uh, pushing something over mm-hmm. to the stove mm-hmm. or the road. Yeah, absolutely. When dad says no, they understand stop the seriousness behind it. If you don't follow my voice, yeah. all I care about is keeping you safe right. and right. healthy. Well, and what's beautiful about this, I think so often there was a, and we've discussed Haggai uh, once before on, on this pet podcast, but just the other day I was sitting down with some discipleship guys and uh, there was a question presented to me in the book of Haggai. In the book of Haggai, God says, I kept certain things from happening. I kept the rain from coming. I kept the fields from growing. And the question was, you know, I, how do we reconcile this? God himself is saying, I did this. Is this a good God who pre- who prevents food from growing and water to to uh, quench our thirst? And I think my, res- my my response was simply this: At the end of the day, everything there is no thing that is greater than being fulfilled by God. And so, when God is in the midst of holding something back, 
it's only because he's pointing back to himself. And I, the, one of the things, and going back to a parenting analogy, I know I'm not the person to give parenting analogies, but if your child wants to have ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, to them, in their eyes, this is, that, is the highest, that is the highest degree of living right there. Your child's ice cream all day, every day. You know, you know that that's not what's best for them. They need to have a greater sustenance in that diet. So you withhold something good for something greater. And so in this, even in the book of Haggai, when God says, I'm withholding this thing that you think is so great, I'm withholding the fact that I'm not going to give you the resources right now because there is something greater that you are missing out on. And it's only by withholding something that you're going to get me. Yeah, I think in my own life too, like understanding this principle more and more has been so valuable um, because it's like, uh, well, God, like, uh, you know, the, the scriptures talk about you don't have because you didn't ask. Right. Well, I've taken that. <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, I want a million bucks. Yeah. I've prayed that before. Yeah. I'll admit it. Yeah. I'll take a million dollars. Yep. Yes, please. Because you said you didn't have because you didn't ask. Yeah. Guess what hasn't come in the mail yet? <laughs> That's right. That was sent to my house. I just never, bucks. I just never had it, had it your way. <laughs> a million bucks. Yeah. But you know what? Do I believe God could send me a million dollars? I do. Yeah. I, I have a faith in the world that somehow he could engineer it. But he knows that's not best for me. Right. Exactly. It might distract me from his will. That's exactly it. Might it might get me uh, sidetracked. Yes. I might not be able to live out his plan. And so God in his wisdom and in his goodness. Yes. Because you know what? I don't think it's good for you to have a million bucks. And so when we come to difficult scripture in the Old Testament, when we see this uh, uh this violence almost from God and we're wrestling through this. I think there are a a number of things we have to remember first. One, God is all loving. He's all just. He's all merciful and all gracious. We cannot forget the attributes of God in the midst of difficult scripture that makes us uncomfortable. In fact, we have to interpret that scripture based on what we do know about God. We can't forget that the God of the New Testament, this loving, gracious God is the same God of the Old Testament. Well, I, I think it makes sense to me too, like wrestling with some of the, well, God told the children of Israel to go and destroy these people. Mm-hmm. How is that good? Yeah. Here's the thing. If the greatest reality of a created being such as us as humans mm-hmm. is to know God forever, mm-hmm. right? And to not know God forever in relationship with him, right? right. I'm right. not saying we're not eternal because we're all eternal, yeah. whether we're in heaven or hell. Um but not being in relationship with him is the worst thing that could ever happen to us. Yeah. So if there's a group of people that have that are living at this worst existence, yeah, and then they're going to create more human beings that are going to perpetuate that yeah. over and over, and these people are actually going to draw other people away, yeah, i.e. in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, yeah. God is making a decision to save the greater amount of people, right? Yeah, 100%. And so, like, that's why, let's take a modern-day analogy. Like, I, I'm a firm believer in in justice being done in our in our court systems mm-hmm. and quickly. Yeah. I, and I, I believe, like, we should have uh, uh, tough penalties for people who murder and and commit crimes. Yeah. That's not because I necessarily am interested in punishing those people. Right. It's 
the deterrent yes the protection for the next person yes. who would consider shooting someone yes oh what happened to my buddy yes uh it was swift and it was tough mm-hmm. and i don't think i'm gonna do that right right you're trying to to create more good down the road that's exactly right and so we need to see the framework of why God does certain things in the Old Testament through lens like that. Exactly. Because, and this is a faith thing, do you believe God's good? Yeah. Or do you not? Right. And that's what it comes down and to. And if I do, then I know that what he did that's, yep. when he said, hey, I want you to go in and I want you to take these people out, yep. it was because he knew that those people were going to be a great adversary yes. for people knowing him walking with him exactly and so you know like and, he's doing and knowing the him is good. the greatest good there could be and to not know him is the greatest evil that could be that's it he's actually trying to bring about greater good exactly. exactly and and it's not actually again wrestling with these things it's not that those people um was it the amalekites i'm thinking about uh, like one of the yeah the yeah, kites. canaanites yeah <laughs> That he, Jebusites. Uh, so we, we believe that Scripture is consistent that those people had revealed to their heart through general revelation mm-hmm. and then actually observing the children of Israel. They all had a chance mm-hmm. to follow God. Absolutely. They did. If God, God who's not a respecter of persons, yes. which the Scripture says, yes. and they had chose to reject that, yes. and God realized through their rejection they were going to perpetuate evil in a greater way. Yep. And so... Again, coming back to what is this teaching me about God, the exactly, Old Testament? Exactly. It just opens and broadens my mind to think about, wow, who this God, God is. is relation. Yes. He cares. He does things. Sometimes it sounds harsh. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I don't understand. And I like the phrase, there's a book called A Severe Mercy. Yeah, yeah. That is, it is a beautiful, beautiful phrase mm-hmm. to where sometimes there are things that happen in our lives that we don't fully understand and they are so painful, but in the long run, it is what draws us closer to God. And at the end of the day, there is nothing greater than being drawn closer to God. And sometimes that comes through a severe action, but an ultimate mercy, an yeah. act of mercy. I- I'm thankful growing up with my parents, um, like understanding some of these principles. I think about coming out of high school into college i was in a uh, year and a half relationship with a girl that Mm -hmm. man i was in love with yeah um you know it was it was uh something i desired yeah like i wanted to marry her but i could sense the lord was telling me no this isn't it it was kind of a severe mercy i went through a i went through a couple years of of uh struggle like heartbreak and um but what God was doing was instead of me giving me what I wanted at that moment, was actually preparing me for what I really wanted later. Yeah, that's beautiful. And now, you know, meeting Nicole, it's right, like right. it's that old Garth Brooks songs for me. <laughs> that was the river. This is the ocean. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what I wanted. Nope. I didn't know the but goodness God knew. of God. God knew what it was going to. And so, yeah, he he took things from me. Yes. Yes. But in his goodness, he had a greater plan. Yes. He always does that. And um, uh, I think these things we can learn through the Old Testament. It's through the Old Testament. And Watching this is, those people wrestle with this and experience this. And, yes. Um, we see the bigger picture of God's heart. We cannot 
we cannot see all that God has revealed to us without the Old Testament. We need, and this isn't to say that the Old Testament isn't difficult to understand. I mean, I think for me, uh, as I'm reading even through the prophets or as I'm reading through um, Lamentations, or any, like these are difficult books to work through and they just take time. Yeah, Th- This is the heart of God, an infinite God, and I'm an, a very finite person. This isn't meant to be rushed through. This is meant to be sat upon, meditated upon. You know, there was last year I sat on Psalm 3, and, and not just Psalm 3, but sat, sat on Psalm 3 for an entire year. Yeah. And I'm walking away like, that is beautiful. But believe me, reading when that, read it. Yeah, when you first read that, and I'm like, I don't know, why is this here? But by the end of that year, I've come to love Psalm 3. Yeah. So guess what I'm doing this year? Psalm 4. Yeah. And it's random, random psalms that seem like, what, what is this having to do with me? And I'm realizing it's only when I sit and meditate yeah. and memorize and don't rush the process that I begin to see the glimpses of the heart of God. Well, I mean, look how challenging that is. Oh, it's, Our screens change every eight seconds. Right. Yeah. We're not we used can to sitting. Scroll yeah. to a new image. That's right. A That's right. And so, yeah. I mean, the Old Testament's valuable for for you. Mm-hmm. Do you have the discipline? That's exactly what it and is. And do you have the heart to just sit in it? Yep. And That's what God's inviting to us to. Slow down and take in what yeah. He's trying to reveal. You know, one thing, a lesson I've always marveled at in the Old Testament is the Book of Job. Mm-hmm. So Job, you know, this the story of a perfect man is mm-hmm. what the scriptures say. And we know that's not perfect in the sense of like flawless. Right. But in his heart, he, his intention was to follow God. Yeah. And he kept fully. And when he did, or when he messed up, he would repent, you know, he was mm-hmm. upright and God's proud of him, brags on him. Devil says, no, he only follows you because you give him things. He's like, no, I don't think so. So this whole thing of mm-hmm. Job where he loses everything mm-hmm. and then he also loses his health. And he doesn't understand because in that day, understanding God was do good, get good. Yeah. Well, he's doing good and getting bad. Oh, yeah. Very bad. And so and his friends, you know, through Job, like telling him, yeah, you've done something. Confess up. Something's wrong. Right, right. It's like, no, I haven't. And I still believe in God's goodness. And at the end of Job, God uh, begins to talk to Job. Do you realize that God never tells Job why Mm. all those stuff happens? Right. Because God's not interested all the time in telling us why. He just wanted Job to trust him. Yeah. And Job did. And then God blessed him in greater measure at the end of Job. But that's a lesson for me that stuck with me from the Old Testament. God doesn't all the time tell me why. No. He just wants me to trust that he's good. And in the midst of all those trials, here's what I think is beautiful about this, this story of Job is that he may have not said why. And he may have even blessed Job uh, beyond he was originally blessed with at the end of it all. But at the end of it, Job had a greater faith in God in the midst of, without, with, exactly, yeah. without the sufferings and the trials that he went through, Job would not have had that full, an even fuller understanding of God at the end of it all. Yeah. Which is beautiful for how God works. And yeah, we don't under- always know why or understand why. How many minutes are we in, Justin? We're, we're, we're a hot minute in. We're a hot minute okay, in. so we pray out of shutter. Yeah, yeah. But so real quick, what, what would you say to someone who is maybe struggling or discouraged as they're trying to read through the Old Testament? Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think probably finding the story narrative part of the Old Testament is mm-hmm. important first. Yeah. To get, a, to get a feeling about how God relates with man. I wouldn't jump into Numbers no. or Leviticus <laughs> or, or Isaiah. Or Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
Go to those places. Go to Exodus, Genesis, yeah. Exodus, First Samuel, Joshua, Samuel. Yes. Judges, First um, and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, yeah. and then also don't go far from the Psalms. Just pick one Psalm to yeah. read. Yeah. If you read three Psalms a week, yeah, and just fifteen minutes, just yeah. ponder it, dwell on it. What is it telling me about God? Yeah. Um, I think those are ways to start in the Old Testament. And then you can get to a point where you've built up enough framework that, okay, I'm ready to tackle, like, (laughs) reading about how God commanded people to do things. Um, And there's there's stuff to learn from that. Like, even the tabernacle. It needs to look like this and that. Yep, the details. pretty, yeah, yeah, it matters. This is good. good Then you get to the minor prophets at the end, and and those are fun things to, to, to... understand the, the the things that really grieve the heart of God. Yeah, very much so. That's one thing we talked about in the class. Very like, much God so. has some pet peeves. Yeah. How yeah. we treat the poor and marginalized yeah. fires God up. You want social justice? You want a social gospel? God's all about that he in his context. In that context. Yeah. And so, yeah. Good. good. Maybe we can continue this later. But I like it. I love it.